0: the cnbc app global market news in one place customizable sections and personalized alerts stocks tracking interactive charts and market insights all in your hands stay connected stay informed download the cnbc app today
1: hello and welcome to Squawkbox with jeff steve and myself here are your headlines today fed chair jerome power warns lawmakers inflation is a severe threat but stresses the US economy is healthy enough to no longer need or want pandemic level stimulus.
2: We're really just gonna be moving over the course of this year to a policy that is closer to normal, but it's a long road to normal from where we are.
1: Tech stocks rally on Wall Street and Asian equities follow suit as attention turns to today's US inflation print, forecast to hit its highest level since 1982
0: but factory and consumer price growth eases in China, helped by Beijing's steps to contain rising raw materials costs.
3: Uh, UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson facing criticism yet again from all sides, with calls for his resignation growing louder amid another lockdown party scandal.
4: It is incredibly disappointing, but not unsurprising, that the Prime Minister, of whom I asked this question, is not here today. The public have already drawn their own conclusions. He can run, but he can't hide.
1: And we're live from St. Moritz at the Crypto Finance Conference, where Arjun will speak to top voices in the sector as Bitcoin nears Death Cross territory. big moves on the market yesterday. Investors leaning into Jay Powell's commentary before Congress and effectively talking about uh, what he sees on the inflation front. uh, Much more uh, less hawkish tone than the market had expected given the more hawkish calls we've seen from many of the big banks suggesting four rate hikes or possibly even more in some cases is uh, the expectation according to the big institutions but the language suggested again Powell is not in any great rush. that That We don't see any extra emergency to pull forward the rate hikes some of that calming soothing commentary really helping risk on assets particularly the tech sector you could see the gains that we saw on the nasdaq 1.4 percent pop the best trading day we witnessed for the s&p and the nasdaq for this year but again a reminder about the role that big tech can play on these market rallies apple for instance one of the big moving stocks that we saw in terms of the gains though it uh, was a day where we broke that five day losing streak on the s&p and here's uh, the contribution from those big names in the tech sector, 1.6 plus percent on Apple. Microsoft, again, uh, we saw that stock rally. Only a slim range, two-tenths of a percent, but we are seeing much bigger gains elsewhere from Meta to Amazon, Qualcomm and Alphabet right across the board. Very strong build for those names that were somewhat relieved about the time frame they were hearing uh, from Jay Powell. Let's get out to what we're seeing elsewhere on Treasury Markets too. We are sitting still at some of the higher ranges, but not right at the peak that we've witnessed in recent uh, weeks. 1.6 73 percent so we just cooled off a little bit on that trade you can see 0.89 at the short end as well i want to take you to oil markets as we talk about risk on assets so we've seen another move higher in these markets too Brent trading at 83.79 we are chasing some of the high levels on Brent prices, 81.41 on WTI as well, so up about a quarter of 1%. And it's a firmer trade we're watching. And to the opening calls here in Europe today, this is how we're purged. We are looking to pick up on that rally stateside, chasing this market higher. We did have a day yesterday where we snapped the losing streak. We'd be down for three straight days on the stock share of 600, so we did see some green, and you can see this markets expected to move forward again today. But that said, there's a huge focus today on inflation out of the United States. We are expecting a red hot number that could be close to 7%, uh, fairly punchy a lot of market participants and the question is whether they want to get ahead of the central bank now, whether they see something out there that perhaps Jay Powell is not seeing. Don't forget we listened to the messaging around transitory inflation right through last year and many market participants were uncomfortable with that language. They moved ahead of the Fed. The question is if they see this number today and they judge other factors in the supply chain, will they then move again? So we're watching uh, the risk on assets very closely and also the dollar. Don't forget that's come off a bit. But I want to get to the Asian markets now because there was a bit of inflation Encouraging news out of China today, and uh, markets in that part of the world also stretching for some green. Matt joins us out of Singapore.
4: Hi there, Karen. Good morning to you, morning to the rest of the team as well. We do have a mostly positive session uh, for markets across the Asia-Pacific on the back of the bounce that we did see for those US markets. Some of the tech-heavy names, uh, Japan up by about 1.9%, doing well. On the back of the weakness that we did see, uh, bond yields falling stateside, which boosted uh, the NASDAQ. A few markets closed. Australia up by about two-thirds of 1%. New Zealand closing down, though, by about a fifth of 1%. Uh, Let's go to the uh, China markets now and start with Hong Kong because it's really the outperformer today. A gain of 629 points or about 2.6% to the upside. Why, you may ask? Well, have a look at this. The Hang Hang Seng tech index rallying today by more than 4%. And we are seeing a number of the big heavyweight tech names, those Chinese tech names listed in Hong Kong, really leading the Hang Seng higher. The likes of Alibaba up by about 6%, Tencent, 4%. Meituan, more than 9% to the upside as well. So uh, what we saw stateside with respect to the Nasdaq falling yields really helping out some of these tech names. Let's go to the greater China markets. So the mainland China markets, we did see some moderation the pace of inflation in the month of December. The CPI printing at 1.5% in December year on year. Uh, That was below forecast for about 1.8% or so. Producer prices also hot once again but we did see a weakening uh, from the prior months. PPI up by 10.3% in December year on year. Weaker than forecast for about about eleven percent and a moderation from the almost thirteen percent rise that we did see in uh, the month of November. The Shanghai composite uh, better on the day by about uh, two thirds of one percent that 's it from Asia. back to you in London now
0: all right, Matt, thanks very much indeed for that. so what an intriguing day yesterday. Is it back to buy the dip? Is it Tina or was it Jay Powell that made the markets bounce well let 's talk a little bit about. What the uh, Federal Reserve chief had to say here, Uh, he warned U.S. lawmakers that inflation is a severe threat, but stressed that the U.S. economy is healthy enough to, quote, no longer need or want pandemic level stimulus. Powell outlined the path back towards policy normalisation ahead of his second term at the helm of the central bank, but stressed the end goal is still a long way off. Powell made the remarks during a -a two-and-a-half-hour confirmation hearing before a US Senate committee. The recent rise in Treasury yields cooled on the back of Powell's pledge to fight price pressures. Well, Powell once again stressed that the Fed plans to hike interest rates and taper asset purchases to combat inflation and added that it could even start selling assets outright.
2: I would expect that this year, 2022, will be a year in which we take steps toward normalization. That will involve raising the federal funds rate. That will involve ending asset purchases in March and perhaps later this year depending on the run of things uh, we would would also see ourselves beginning to allow the balance sheet to shrink
3: Uh, Powell also commended the US's resilient employment numbers but warned uncontained high inflation would pose risks to the labor market
2: to get the kind of uh, very strong labor market we want with high participation it's going to take a long expansion we can see that participation is moving only very slowly and to get a long expansion, we're going to need price stability. Right. And so in, in a way, high inflation is is a, is a severe threat to the achievement of maximum employment and to achieving a long expansion that can give us that.
0: Well, of course, we got the big inflation number today. The U.S. Labor Department data is expected to show something like a 7 percent year on year surge in headline inflation for December when it releases those figures later today. That's up from 6.8 percent in November and would put U.S. inflation at its fastest pace since 1982. I think we all remember the 80s. A great decade for music. Not so sure about the inflation story though. Thanos is with us, founder and CIO of ABP Invest. Thanos, good morning to you. Um, Do you think uh, Jay Powell basically just reconfirmed for investors the idea that the Fed still has your back if you are long risk assets in this market?
5: Uh, Good morning, Jeff.
0: Morning, guys. Partly,
5: I think well done to Powell and and, and to the Fed for uh, moving significantly from behind the curve to the curve and a little bit even surprising the markets. Um, I do believe that um, the markets should be sort of slightly more concerned rather than not so much from the Fed, but from their own misconceptions and misinterpretations. I think the risk has now moved away from the Fed towards the markets. Up until last year the risk was the fed is the fed going to realize it's behind the curve that inflation is rising it is not transitory but it's sticking elevated and when will they take action we saw that so i think that the the risk from the fed has been averted and it's now squared into the markets and we saw just a what was it last last week the markets got a little bit ahead of themselves and started rising yields from 150 all the way nearly to 180 and and i think it's the misconception of the market or misinterpretation of the market, which could potentially threaten risk assets rather than the Fed. I think the Fed is stable. I think the Fed will adjust depending on what the market developments are. Um, but, but my eyes would be more on the market now than the Fed.
0: Thanos, I'm a little bit confused by that because surely the market is only taking its lead from the signals that it's getting from the Fed about how it intends to in- adjust monetary policy from here on in. So the yields are not operating in isolation from the uh, messaging that we're getting from the Federal Reserve. Uh, just just help me understand here why well, you course, think the market truly. may be selling off on the curve too soon.
5: I think it's very much on the sort of the, the fear and greed that the market has. The market was also behind the curve. Um, we, we sort of been expecting inflation. The market was not so convinced about that. It, it stuck with the Fed. It fell asleep, if you like, back in the summer when the yields were rallying all the way down to 120. And, and it's sort of shoken and, and, and aware that there's this real risk of inflation coming through and being a little bit higher. And I do believe that the Fed uh, and the market sometimes gets a little bit ahead of itself in terms of momentum, in terms of the trends, that it becomes from a sort of a slightly concerned to slightly more exaggerated worries. And we could see the market trying to push yields potentially, especially if today's inflationary number is higher or in line with expectations, push it a little bit higher, closer towards 2%. We think this is overdone. We don't think the Fed would be happy with the 2% 10-year yield. So in that sense, it's the market which will be pushing it, and the Fed will be adjusting its rhetoric and bringing, bringing the market back into line. So it's the exuberance of the market rather than the Fed, which could create a little bit more instability and volatility in the months or quarters to come.
3: Sorry, Thanos, why should we be congratulating a gentleman rather than grilling him on his testimony for uh, reappointment? Why should we be congratulating a man, the most powerful man in in monetary um, circles on the planet as well, for getting wrong the nature of inflation uh, for the whole of 2021? Why should we congratulate him? I I don't understand. We should be appalled at someone who has more data points, more data points than anybody else on the planet at his disposal and got it wrong for a year. And I'll I'll tell you why, Steve. And
5: we all we all get things wrong. And let, let's let's be honest here, we all get things wrong. And the Fed did get it wrong. But I remember because we were sort of shouting, you know, guys, get 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 to groups with it. There are real reasons why inflation is going to be different this time compared to the GFC. And in June of last year. That was the first inclination that he was starting to adjust his rhetoric, starting to open to the realization that potentially this could be a little bit more than transitory. And it took a few months to change, to adjust. The reason why I'm congratulating Powell and and the team is because they realized at some point that they were wrong in terms of the data analysis and they adjusted and took corrective action. Whereas, and this is the key point, whereas... The ECB has not. So the RBA, the BOC, the Bank of England were all behind the curve, but they changed the rhetoric on the back of the data, adjusted their policy and turned more hawkish, even the Bank of England raising rates. And the Fed did that
3: as well. All right. We'll agree to differ. I, I think if I was the most powerful man in the world in central banking and I had all those data points available, I think I'd do a better job at the interpretation of inflation than the Federal Reserve. But we'll agree to differ on that one. What about the ECB then? Is Madame Lagarde getting things very badly wrong or is she right until she turns around and says, sorry, got it wrong. It's a bit more permanent. Will you forgive her then? No, 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 no. I think
5: no, no, this is this is different. I think I believe this is different because. If we look at the ECB, I think there is an um, in, in internal frustration between the governing council and the underlying economic analysis and teams. The, the the underlying data, the macroeconomic, the backward-looking macroeconomic models have not been adjusted to see the gradual changes that we are seeing in social, political terms, in the sort of the supply chain, the geopolitical tensions, um, the wage increases, the second risk, the the, the risk of the second um, level effect. And I believe that the ECB is avoiding the issue. Uh, the ECB is not dealing with the issues because it's concerned of the secondary impact it could have potentially in the BTPs and other peripheral spreads. So, whereas the Fed is pure in terms of its economic analysis and saying, you know what, if we do believe that inflation is coming, we're going to take action, I think the ECB is not there. And I'm delighted that Joachim Nagel is coming in in order to readjust the rhetoric, readjust the debate, and taking on from Jens Weidmann without the necessary baggage that Jens had. So hopefully the ECB is going to be turning and becoming a little bit more pragmatic. And and that's my difference between the Fed and the ECB. Uh
1: Thanos, it's Karen jumping in. I want to talk about the market a bit more, which has been one of your focuses here. It didn't seem as though we parked away the volatility yesterday just because we had a day to the upside. If anything, just telling us this is still a very skittish market in 2022. You've been calling out the US small cap value part of the market. And we can see if you just take a look at the Russell 2000, for instance, of small cap stocks, that's still in correction territory. So as we we hone focus on small caps, how do they fare, though, even if you see value there, how do they fare in a market that's could still have a lot of volatility in the first half of this year
5: yeah i think that's that's a very fair point karen and the reason why we like the value versus growth or small cap value versus large cap growth is not so much from the sort of bottom up but more from the top down perspective and there's three reasons number one because we were expecting the interest rate environment to rise for the inflationary environment to remain elevated and and more a sticky and also because we expect growth to surprise, if you like, to the upside, partly because of the US, but also because of the rest of the world and China continue to grow slightly better levels of expectations. So we see stronger growth, inflation, and higher interest rates. And those three underlying components should be more supportive to value rather than growth. And of course, we have the specific valuation differential between the two, which is a sort of multi-decade lows. But putting that aside, it's not about the technicals, it's more about the underlying fundamentals.
1: Thanos, uh, before we uh, cast out some of those large cap stocks, can we just explore them for a moment? Because Jeff mentioned before FOMO, that fear of missing out trade, and it felt as though some of the traders were saying, look, we we may really not get four rate hikes plus, which was what one of the more calls was from, say, uh, Jamie Dimon earlier this week, that we've got a a much more hawkish scenario. If we don't get that, maybe there's still a, a trade here around some of these big tech names, the likes of Apple, Microsoft, for instance. How do you think they fare if we don't get as many rate hikes as some of the more hawkish quarters of the market are talking? about
5: i think i i will turn it around if i may karen i think that we are not going to get let me put it the other way around sorry another way around this is funny turning around 360. um i think that the fed will deliver as many rate hikes as are necessary in order to gradually contain the inflationary pressures without sending the economy to recession so if the market gets ahead of itself and starts to price four or five, and the Fed feels that the market is doing its work for them, then they won't need to deliver four or five. They may do three or two. So the, the, the market, if you like, which goes back to the point I was having with Jeff, the market may be driving policy rather than the Fed. And the risk is on the market to, over, um, to, 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 to overreach, if you like. So the Fed will only deliver what it has to deliver, given what the market does for it.
1: I got it. Thanos, thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate your view this morning. Thanos Papasavis with us, founder and CEO at ABP Invest. Elsewhere, global retail giants have painted a sorry picture of the segment at the virtual ICR conference, warning of an Omicron hit to sales, forcing staff to stay home and leaving shelves unfilled. Lily Lemon said sales in the quarter ending in January will be at the bottom of its expected range abercrombie and fitch cut q4 revenue estimates while land's end said it is struggling to fill vacancies shares at albertson's kroger and walmart fell on tuesday as investors worried that staff shortages and supply chain delays would hit major grocers despite the pressures shake shack ceo randy garuti says there's light at the end of the tunnel
3: in this last few weeks like you've seen from whether it's an airline or other restaurants We've been impacted too. We've had to shorten some hours at some shacks from time to time. We've had to uh, have various closures on and off. But our team is working so hard. We will get through it.
1: Meanwhile, adding to the COVID concern, U.S. consumer inflation is expected to have hit another four-decade high in December. And Domino's CEO Richard Allison says he sees no sign of prices easing
4: we certainly don't see inflation slowing down in our business. You know, we take a look at our, our food basket, you know, as, as you mentioned, you know, we see an eight to 10% increase in the food basket uh, 2022 relative to 2021. And we also see continued uh, wage inflation across the marketplace as well as we look forward this year. Still to come on
0: the program, we'll be talking more inflation, this time in China as the numbers come in a little softer than the expectations. Does that indicate we've peaked? Well, we'll have that conversation in just a moment, Karen.
1: And join me later on today as well for our latest CNBC Pro Talks event with David Neuhauser, founder and CIO of Livermore Partners. We're going to discuss his top investments for 2022 and get his take on U.S. tech stocks, after he shorted the ARK Innovation ETF, Tesla and Facebook in 2021. That is all coming up today at 1300 CET. For more, don't forget to check out CNBC Pro.
0: Welcome back, everybody. Um, We're going to have a look at the Chinese economy here, because we've just got some numbers coming through from the uh, Chinese Industry Association uh, that deals with uh, automotive uh, sales figures. The uh, industry ministry uh, in China says 2021 vehicle sales were up 3.8% to 26.3 million units. But as you look at where that spending took place, uh, it is clear that uh, electric and new energy vehicles uh, were positive. Uh, The figures we have uh, 113.9% year-on-year growth for December, new energy vehicle sales up 157% for the year as a whole for electric and new energy vehicles. But as you look at the total number of vehicle sales, uh, including, of course, other energy uh, d- drivers, uh, 1.6% lower uh, year on year. So that's a negative 1.6% and 9. Uh, point on the previous month so that's a December figure that 1.6% number lower Uh, vehicle sales for 2021 well as the um, the ministry has said plus 3.8% year on year as against the negative 1.9% a year earlier and I think the uh, the Chinese government will be keen to point to at least some of the positive uh, sales figures here because by and large There is concern, I think, around the regulatory crackdown and some of the slowing trends in the Chinese economy, reducing consumer spending, which may perhaps feed into why we've got a slightly softer print on the uh, factory gate inflation number. So Chinese inflation continuing to ease in the month of December. Factory gate prices rose by a less than expected 10.3 percent as China uh, intervened to stabilize high raw materials prices that helped bring core PPI down from a 26-year high back in October. Consumer prices also posting a one and a half percent rise year on year, down from 2.3 percent in November and weaker than expected. The data is expected to give China's central bank more room for easing monetary policy in the months ahead. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe
3: Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com.
1: Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.